Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Hello, folks, and welcome to our show. How are you, Deb? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm just as happy as a clam. (laughs) You're so corny. Yes, I know. (laughs) Well, tonight we're going to be talking about UFOs, or as they are commonly referred to, UAPs. What does UAP stand for? Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. So it covers many things now, not just flying saucers and flying aircraft. It covers strange lights and different things like that, like orbs in the sky and and all kinds of things. So they've just extended it to uh, cover a larger genre of items. The first UFO encounter in the U.S. was around 1639, believe it or not, according to John Winthrop's diary. He was the Puritan governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony at the time. There's been tens of thousands of sightings. And thanks to now declassified documents from our government, we know more details about some of them and some of the first kind of sightings. The first common day sightings started around 1945, and it's strange how right after the first nuclear test was done with the atom bombs, UFOs started showing up more and more. The first reported sighting of multiple UFOs was by a well-known businessman and pilot from Idaho named Kenneth Arnold, who reported seeing nine flying saucers flying fast near him, near Mount Rainier in Washington. He timed the distance of the objects traveling from one point to another and estimated the traveling speed of over 1,000 miles an hour. Here's a little backstory on the incident. He lived in Meridian, Idaho, and sold fire extinguisher equipment. He was a normal man, and about as unusual as his life ever got was that he was a pilot and had a small airplane to get his clients around the Northwest. He had over 4,000 hours of mountain high-altitude pilot time. He was in the Idaho Search and Rescue, and Arnold said he was flying from Chihalas to Yakima. Yakima. Yakima, thank you. and decided to spend an hour or so searching for a downed C-46 Marine transport that had crashed into the southwest side of Mount Rainier, since there was a $5,000 reward for finding it. There's no documentation or any more to the backstory of whether he actually found that aircraft or not, because he saw the UFOs. Later that year, the famous Roswell crash took place. You know the one where the Army reported in the newspapers of recovering a flying saucer? only to change the story the next day to say it was a weather balloon and some wood. 
During this time, reports of sightings steadily increased to the point that the government created Project Sign in 1948, which then eventually turned into Project Grudge in 1949. Then Operation Blue Book began in 1952 and ran until 1969, which reviewed over 12,618 sightings, 701 of which remained unidentified. Why did the name change? Is it three different projects or...? Yeah, um, they, they use what's called black, black fund money. Mm-hmm. So it's hidden from the general public. They fund things. And um, they, so they, they closed the project and started another one. They closed the project and started another one. Oh. Using the so-called black fund money. Oh, isn't that special? Yeah. The first reported man in black or government agency showing up was by Harold Dahl from Maury Island, Washington, June 28, 1947 after reporting UFOs in the sky over Puget Sound. The real men in black are rumored to be part of a secret U.S. government agency who ask questions and give no answers. The men are believed to be human-alien hybrids that only target civilians who have been abducted by extraterrestrials, seen UFOs, or actively researching an alien life. I thought this was like the movie, men show up in black suits. So is there any evidence that might support this hybrid theory? No, there's really not. But the movie is is based on this. And what the movie doesn't really perpetuate is how they have all the aliens there. Well, actually, the aliens work with the government and half the guys in the black suits are supposed to be aliens. Hmm. Working in a universal thing with our government. Then we have UFOs flying over the White House in July of 1952. A series of UFOs were reported in D.C., although Andrews Air Force Base reported that they had no unusual objects on their radar. An airman soon called the base's control tower to report the sighting of a strange object. Airman William Brady, who was in the tower, then saw an object which appeared to be like an orange ball of fire trailing a tail. It was like anything I had seen, he said. As Brady tried to alert the other personnel in the tower, the strange object took off at an unbelievable speed. Did that start the cover-up of working with aliens? I don't know. One would think that even way back then they would have a mechanism for monitoring disguise and airways, so... Was there any recording or yes, evidence? Yes, there was recording of it. There were statements made. There were some other tower uh, radar recordings. But all that was confiscated by the government and put in classified files. So, And it remains classified to this day. Hmm. Okay, And that that will lead eventually to another story down the road for us, another tale to be told about Eisenhower making a deal with the aliens while he was in office. I see. Then, the first little green men, or alien stories, was reported on August 21st, 1955, when a large extended farm family called the Suttons arrived breathlessly at the Hopkinsville Police Station in southwestern Kentucky. Their story of a terrifying siege by otherworldly beings would become one of the most detailed and baffling accounts of an alien close encounter on record. Notable for the large number of witnesses, nearly a dozen, the duration of the encounter, several hours, 
and a close proximity between the witnesses and the creature, sometimes just a few feet away. The incident quickly became regional and even national news. To this day, they still hold a celebration of the event in that little area of Kentucky. I'm not familiar with that. Can you tell me a little something about it? Yeah, supposedly they saw the aliens land in a field by their farm. And they didn't have any electricity. They didn't have any phones. They didn't have anything like that. They were very rural southwestern Kentucky people. And uh, so the one guy that saw it was a friend of the family. He ran in the house and told them. And they all come out, and they seen the aliens coming towards them. And they started firing at them. And the aliens started attacking them, trying to get in the house. And there was a big battle. That probably might turn into its own story on another day. <laughs> okay. Then we have the classified file that is now somewhat unclassified, with an air, when the Air Force personnel sees another abducted dead, and his dead body shows up three days later, 10 miles away, mutilated and no blood. This was at Holloman Air Base in New Mexico in March 1956. It's, it's declassified, but they're still not putting a whole lot of information out about it. Then we have the first reported, widely reported, case of abduction. Now it was Barney and Betty Hill, who lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They were very credible people, as Barney was employed by the United States Postal Service, and Betty was a social worker, active in the local Unitarian congregation. The Hills were also members of the NAACP and community leaders. And Barney sat on the local board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. They, there, was, there was more to that story. Can you give me any details? Sure. Some of the details is that they were followed by this craft. They stopped. The craft abducted them. They have several hours of missing time. They had wounds on their bodies. Um, and they went under hypnosis and everything else to recall the events. This is really a big deal. And uh, we, we will do a future episode on this for sure and go into a lot more detail about the Hill's abduction. Um, and a cover-up that went with it at the beginning because they were one of the first interracial couples in that area at the time. After all these years of saying that UFOs don't exist, UAPs don't exist, the government is now finally starting to leak a little information about it. And they're starting to say, yeah, some of these things are going on. They're starting to declassify stuff. But most of the classified files are so redacted, you know, they have black lines drawn through everything that it hardly says a word. Then, you know, in 2007 and 2017, they leaked some of their own videos from U.S. naval fighter jets when they were having encounters with UFOs. Uh, one of the most famous ones that's on TV all the time now is called the Tic Tac video. And that was where a fighter jet engaged with this craft and it just sped off, and then when it came back, when it went to gauge again, it dove down into the ocean and disappeared. Is there any particular place that stands out as having the most sightings? Yeah, there is. There's a list of sightings based on 100,000 people of population. So some of these areas you might say, wow, you know, they got a lot of sightings or whatever, but get to remember, it's based on the population. Mm -hmm. right. So, number one is Washington State. 
and it has, and the first sighting in Washington State was in 1947, and it has 100 sightings per every 100,000 people. The next is Montana. First sighting there was in 1950, and it has 95 sightings per every 100,000 people on average. Third is Alaska with 90, Vermont with 90, Oregon with 87. And yeah, I put Alaska before Vermont just because I don't like Vermont. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I put Alaska ahead of Vermont because they have Bigfoot. Uh, then we have Oregon, New Hampshire, Maine, Idaho, New Mexico, Arizona, and Wyoming. What I find interesting is Utah is not on this list. And it's mainly due to the small amount of population Utah has because that's where Skinwalker Ranch and all those other crazy areas are. Deb, UFOs have become so much part of our culture that even the CIA website now has a section titled Take a Peek into Our X-Files that is chock full of declassified files. Yeah, it's full of files, but many of them are redacted. The CIA helpfully lists, quote, the top five CIA documents Mulder would love to get his hands on, unquote, and quote, the top five CIA documents Scully would love to get her hands on, unquote. I can't believe that is real. Are they making fun of TV and just playing on their site? I, I find that hard to believe. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they're doing both. I think they're saying, yeah, here's some, here's some info for you. They're making fun of the X-Files a little bit, making fun of the general population mm -hmm. because most of the files are redacted so bad you can't get any information out of them anyhow. Right? Or maybe they're trying to increase interest in the unknown for a reason. Maybe. But, you know, because even on there, if you're interested in finding out about a 1952 drawing of flying saucers over the Belgian Congo uranium mines, yeah, that's in the CAA files as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's been cover-ups and so on and so forth. And maybe, like you said, they are starting to open things up a little bit to get us ready. But I don't, for what? Well, you know, if, if Eisenhower made a deal, which we'll talk about another time, how long did that deal last? Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's funny how they started showing up when the atomic bombs were tested and exploded and... We, we're going to do a whole episode on UFOs over missile silos in, in the U.S. and USSR. And it's very well documented. And how none of, this, none of the missiles could launch or anything else. They shut them down. And uh, it's kind of crazy. But, uh, so yeah, there's some government cover-ups going on on that. Sure. But those are other episodes. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you listening. And until next time when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash forever paranormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.